Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. Ultimately, what what can we do in this space? We can only help one person at a time. That's it. That's all we're capable of. Right? And every night before I go to bed, I pray for willingness. That's it. And every day when I wake up, guess what? I, I pick up my phone in the morning and there's a message from somebody that needs help. And that's all I can do. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast. Theo, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Always did yeah. an opportunity to talk about the tough stuff, you know, people, right. stuff that people don't want to talk about. But, you know, uh, the only way through it is, you know, by using your voice. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very empowering process and uh you know that has been my my experience and and uh you know it's uh it really uh uh was a catalyst uh you know in my own personal healing journey was you know finding that courage and that strength and and all that to to get to a place where i was comfortable uh, talking about this stuff and and you know i remember 
you know, I was very fearful and, uh, you know, basically, you know, like I say, shitting in my pants when, uh, you know, when I decided to do this because I didn't know how everybody else was going to react. Right. And, and when, uh, I did, I got the complete opposite reaction of what I was thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. I got so much support, so much love, so much, you know, everything. And it was, uh, it was a game changer for sure. You know, right. so, so, you know, uh, you know, the guys that are out there listening right now, you know, part of the process um, and part of healing is, you know, finding your voice. And, uh, um, and what I always say too, is, uh, you know, you get, you get to tell the story, whichever way you want. Why? Cause it's your story and it's mm-hmm. nobody else's story. And the people that, um, <clears throat> that are judging you, uh, I always say uh, there is no courage in judgment at all, <laughs> you know, but there is a tremendous amount of courage in, uh, you know, sharing those, uh, you know, those deep, dark secrets. Right. Well, you've, you've definitely uh, taken a lot of time to share the tough stuff and things that, you know, there's probably moments you're thinking, I wish I could just set this aside and not talk about this, you know, but uh, I, I listened to you on another podcast and, you know, you're, you're a Stanley cup champion, Olympic gold medalist. And you said on the podcast, you know, you hope people look back and say, Hey, I think that guy used to play hockey. And, you know, what gave you the, I I guess the, the courage to, you know, be known as the guy that talks about the tough stuff to be willing to share your story in such a public and transparent way, because it is really powerful and it's helped so many people, but there's a lot of people I think that would rest in the I'm a Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist. That's yeah. my legacy. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew I was going to die. Simple mm-hmm. as that, right? My addiction had reached a point where, or my coping mechanism, I guess, uh, is a better word than addiction, you know, because there's so much stigma attached to addiction. So I just say, you know, my coping mechanism stopped working, right? So couldn't drink enough, couldn't snort enough. Couldn't sleep with enough women. Couldn't, you know, and, uh, um, you know, got to the point where I actually contemplated taking my own life and I had the gun in my mouth, excuse me. And, you know, the simple fact that I couldn't pull the trigger uh, was a huge statement for me, you know, for my internal voice was, you know, you don't want to die. Okay. Well, you can't continue to live the way that you're living. So you better make some changes. And, uh, you know, so I look back on that whole exercise of, uh, you know, going and buying a gun and some bullets and loading the gun and putting it in my mouth, you know, was an exercise that needed to happen. I I think that God showed up and said, you know, uh, I have bigger plans for you. And, and, uh, you know, if you do the work, um, you know, I will take care of the rest. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, 5,000, hang on, I got to check what today is. Uh, let's see here. 5,895 days ago, I made the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, you know, tree in my backyard, whatever it is. Right. And, uh, you know, I've trusted in that choice and I've trusted in that decision. And, you know, um, God has given me 
the strength and uh, um, the resilience um, to, you know, continue on this journey and continue uh, down this road where, um, you know, I, I, I'm looked at now as an advocate and an activist in this space. And, and uh, uh, you know, I don't shy away from controversy. I don't shy away from uh, um, challenging people. Uh, when it comes to the subject of sexual abuse, because I believe that it is definitely one of the biggest epidemics on the planet. And, uh, you know, a perfect example was uh, a week and a half ago, Chicago Blackhawks came out with their scandal. And, uh, you know, uh, in typical form in typical fashion they handled it like every big organization handles it they handle it very poorly and uh you know and that's the thing about lying is you know when you tell a lie the lie has to last the rest of your life but eventually you know you get caught that's why we have prisons that are full of guys you know who, who uh you know try to lie and so um you know i just wish somebody would have stood out in front and said hey you know what we knew and we handled this very poorly and we will do everything within our power to change uh, how we do this. So, so that we, you know, um, you know, provide some hope and some inspiration for people, you know, who've had this experience and that's all they had to say. And, and it would have gone away, but, you know, like I said, they, they, they denied it, which is what, you know, which yeah. is what, you know, USA Gymnastics did. It's what Penn State did. It's what the Catholic Church did. It's what Harvey Weinstein denied. Jeffrey Epstein. You know, it's like, when are we going to get the lesson here? Because God keeps putting the lesson in front of us, right? He yeah. will continue to put the lesson in front of us until we get it, but we we haven't got it yet, right? Yeah. What what goes through your mind when you see something like the Blackhawk story? You know, and I wanted to ask you about that because mm-hmm. I, I we've come so far yet haven't gone far at all when it comes to understanding the problem of sexual abuse, mental health, things that you're talking about on stage to thousands Mm -hmm. of people. Um, When you see a story like that happen or the Harvey Weinstein story, the Bill Cosby and go down the line, um, you know, what's the emotion that goes to your mind when you read those headlines? Because as an advocate, you know, it's, it must be frustrating going, why aren't we changing how we're handling this 20 years later? 30 years later, moving down the line after case after case. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised or shocked anymore at all. Um, firstly, um, you know, secondly, um, anytime that three letter word shows up anywhere on the planet called sex, you know, people want to dive into underneath their couches and, you know, nobody wants to talk about it, you know, because, because, uh, you know, because I, I really think we've done a really poor job of, of, you know, how we talk about sex, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and because of it, um, you know, there's, and there's so much shame attached to any kind mm-hmm. of sexual behavior, right. You know, the church is classic, you know, yeah. that, that attached shame to, to any kind of sexual behavior, but, you know, at the core of who we are as human beings, we're mammals. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of our DNA. That's part of how we uh, recreate, procreate, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so, um, you know, uh, but we, 
we we just don't talk about it like there's and and you know the the reason why I get so many opportunities to speak is because I stand on stage and you know I basically tell my audience hey I was raped 150 times by my coach mm. and there's no shame on my end but I'm watching all the nonverbal cues in the audience and every single person's head hits the floor so yeah, they feel shame and they try to pass that shame on to me. Well, I have no more shame anymore. Why? Because I did my work, right? Yeah. I did the work so that I could stand on stage and say, you know, but there's a certain, there's a certain amount of vulnerability that, that people uh, don't like, right? Yeah. They don't like people like me who, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, well, I don't want to hear that especially with guys, you know, I, I, I see that a lot of times and especially coming from religious contexts. And, and I would say there's so much crossover between the religious side and the athlete side. I have Mm -hmm. to imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got one, you're, you're the ice for you at five and, you know, was a sanctuary, you know, like the place that you escaped from things. The church is a place where so many male abuse survivors go to escape problems yeah. in their own home. Yeah. Uh, there's a passion to, to constantly improve and do better. And then also mm-hmm. there's this level of, you know, for lack of a better word, this toxic masculine culture in which, right. you know, coming out and saying, Oh, I was abused by a pastor or I was abused by a coach, or not only is there this level of abuse, but there's also, there's the homophobia. There's the fear of saying this happened to me. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I've listened to so many podcasts with you and, and the parallels and the stories, though they're different settings, one's on yeah. the ice and and going and traveling to tournaments and one is in church culture. The stories have so much crossover and that shame is so prevalent in the way that we talk about sexual abuse, especially involving men. You know, men have a really hard time talking about um, sex in general, yeah. right? Um and uh, it's a very uncomfortable subject. Right. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is what is sexual abuse really all about? It's not about the act, mm-hmm. right? It's more about power. That's what it's all about. It's about power, right? You know, and the grooming process takes a long time, Yeah. right? Sometimes years before the, you know, you actually get abused by your abuser. You know, there's a lot of grooming that 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 has to happen, right? And and uh, we're seeing that. You know, I see it every yeah. day. I, I I see, you know, uh, the mainstream media grooming kids for sex mm. with adults. Yeah. I see it, right? I see it. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I try to bring it up, you know, I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist and all this stuff. But I I know what manipulation is. I know what you know. Uh, lying and, and uh, you know, all that stuff looks like, and, and uh, you know, uh, it's abuse, right? Yeah. Abuse is abuse is abuse. You know, whether you call it sexual abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, whatever it is, it's, it's about power. Right. And uh, you know, what's the worst addiction to have the addiction to power. Right. Right. And, yeah. and this is exactly what we're seeing. Every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is we have a bunch of people that are addicted to power. And once you're addicted to power, then you do not care about anybody else but yourself. Right. Right. And yeah. and, and and that, you know, in the, in the underbelly of society, this is what it's all about, right? 
it's people who have unresolved trauma, mm-hmm. right? It all comes back to trauma, right? Yeah. The whole entire planet is traumatized, right? And what happens when you're traumatized? Well, your, your nervous system uh, uh, gets damaged, right? Yeah. And then you end up living in a very high stress space for the rest of your life. And your body pr- produces a chemical called cortisol. And cortisol is like acid in the body. And what this cortisol does is it starts to fray your nervous system. And now we have one of the biggest, epi- well, I would say mental illness is the biggest epidemic on the planet. It's not COVID-19. And so, um, you know, we're living in a very high state of fear, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the type of chemicals that our body produces to deal with fear, trying to get us to calm down is actually, you know, not helping us. It's actually creating more of a problem. Right. And so how do we solve that? Well, you know, there's, there's another chemical in our body called oxytocin, which is the drug of love and connection. And, Hmm. and when you're connected and in a relationship, you produce oxytocin and what does the oxytocin do? It sucks up the cortisol. Hmm. Right. And so from a neuroscience perspective, you know, it's, it's very easy to explain to people exactly what's going on. And so, you know, what is addiction addiction? What's the opposite of addiction connection. Mm. And if you're traumatized and you're afraid and you're full of shame and guilt, you're not going to talk to anybody. Yeah. Right. But you need to, because you need that relationship, you know, in order to heal. Right. Yeah. You, you can't do this on your own. Yeah. You know, I, I've tried, I've tried, failed, failed every time. Right. But when I actually asked for help and people were there to help me and I accepted the help, I'm good. How do you go about building relationships when trust is violated? Mm-hmm. You know, the relationship between coach and player is a sacred relationship. I mean, again, parallel to it's yeah. a sacred relationship. It's, it's, it's essentially a father son relationship in many cases. Sure. Um, and, you know, same thing when someone's abused by a parent or someone who's extremely close to them, you know, connection seems terrifying because if they could do it, anybody could do it. So right. how did you overcome the fear of building relationships with other people, letting down the guard a little bit to not even just share your story, but just to be open to receiving yeah. love and compassion <clears throat> from someone else? Well, I did, I just didn't care. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what people said. You know, I just knew that I needed to tell my story in order to heal. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, there's no courage and judgment at all. Um, but for me, because I have, <clears throat> I have such a big platform, right. Because of my hockey career, I have this massive voice because I had so much success that when I came out with my story, you know, people wanted to interview me, people wanted to talk to me. Um, but the most important thing happened was people like I got run over. Basically, I got run over after my book came out. And there was other survivors who were seeking me out at different book signings, speaking oh, gates, no. workshops, you name it, were coming up and saying, Hey man. I read your book. You told my story. Me too. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that to me, uh, you know, I certainly didn't feel alone after that. Right. You know, I, I I knew that, that I'd found my, my tribe 
right? My group of people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've stuck very close to that group. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've created my own groups, you know, I, I do, uh, sessions online twice a month where we talk about trauma and, and you know, all kinds of trauma, you know, we yeah. have, we have army veterans, we have, you know, sexual abuse survivors. We have people who've experienced emotional abuse, sexual abuse, you name it. And, uh, we just, we just create a safe, safe environment, a safe place, right. Yeah. Where people can talk about whatever. And there's no judgment. Like there's no judgment at all. It's, you know, we, we only, uh, you know, we, we tell the person we're, we're going to love you until you can love yourself. Yeah. Right. And ultimately that's, that's what it comes down to because what, what sexual abuse does is it leaves us, you know, feeling abandoned, neglected, not good enough, not lovable. Do I even exist? You know, these are, these are the, the, uh, the, the beliefs that get hardwired into our DNA and, and, and until we sort of step in and, and uh, learn how to love ourselves and take care of ourselves. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to struggle. But yeah. we need we need to be around people who are trying to achieve exactly what we're trying to achieve. And what are we trying to achieve? Peace, joy, happiness, and serenity. That's that's the ultimate goal. Uh, you know, when you're on this journey, and uh, it's not going to be a constant, you know, mm -hmm. thing. But I have experienced moments of pure joy, pure happiness, pure bliss, pure serenity, right? And ultimately, you know, that's the goal. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I, I'm curious because you you talk about, you know, sharing your story so openly and, you know, but also I've heard you mention before too, the way that media ask questions about abuse, you know, can be re-traumatizing. Um, and it was honestly, I think, I think it's probably encouraging for a lot of people hearing someone like you who does share so often saying like some questions do re-traumatize. There are things that do affect, you know, and are hard to talk about, um, you know, how could the media and, you know, I say media broadly, news, podcasters, yeah. people like me, yeah. um, how well, do you even, ask? Even people right. who comment on your thread on social media, it's media. Right. Exactly. Right? It's all media. Right. So, yeah. you know, it comes down to compassion and empathy, hmm. right? That's what it's about, you know, yeah. and uh, people who, you know, what I find really interesting is, you know, on social media, you know, I out all the abusers, right? It's very mm -hmm. easy to out them, you know, by making a comment or, or something and they just, you know, they just can't stay away from, you know, and, uh, and what the media, you know, thinks or thought is I was still a victim and they could treat me like a victim. Right. Well, I stopped that in a hurry. Right. Because, you know, I, I, I don't know, even know how many times I was interviewed as an athlete, but I've been interviewed even more you know, now as an advocate and an activist and, and the hardest thing and, and what media doesn't get trained in is when the person they're interviewing, asks them a question. Yeah. Okay. So I use that to rattle them. 
right? And when they're rattled, guess what? Then I get to come in and I get to talk about whatever I want, yeah. right? And I always have this sort of um, running <clears throat> dialogue in my head where I'm going to just put it out there, you know, stats, healing, you know, all this stuff. And and by the time, you know, they've, they, they've tried to figure out what the answer is to the question that I just asked, I've gotten my message out there. Right. So, and so they can't, you know, they, they can't, but I, you know, when I first uh, went to Toronto to launch my book, you know, I did like 300 interviews in the first four days I was there Jeez. and all they were interested in was the gory details right. of my sexual abuse. Right. Cause it's about clicks. It's about eyeballs. Yeah wanted me crying they wanted me you know broke down all this stuff and i presented myself as a very strong advocate right because i wanted to get a story of hope and healing and recovery out to the masses right and so so uh you know not everybody was like that there were a lot of uh, reporters that that had compassion and had empathy and i'm sure had the same experience but Mm -hmm. you know just hadn't talked about it yet and uh and so So, yeah, um, but I always tell people, you know, when you are the biggest thing you need to be prepared for, and I wasn't prepared for, was when I told my story, how many people were going to tell me their story? And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. Right. And, you know, I've had a few meltdowns. Uh, over the years where I've had to step back, get myself back in therapy and because I couldn't hear any more stories. Like I just couldn't hear any more stories. And what I've done is I've learned to sort of uh, not attach any emotion to the story because basically all I need to do is, you know, hold space. Mm-hmm. That's my job is to hold space, be present and be attuned while I'm listening to the story, I can't fix it as much as I would love to. I can't fix it, but I can, you know, I can give you some advice, but other than that, you know, it's up to you to do the work. I can't do the work. I can't do the work for you. And I was trying to do the work for, you know, this massive group of people, you know, who came and, and like I said, I got burnt out. I got, you know, my brain was fried. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it eats you alive when you're hearing these stories and you start yeah. putting your, you, you're, you're not just empathizing, like you're straight up sympathizing. You're getting into their shoes and yeah. saying, here's what I would do, or here's what I'd recommend. And it makes your advice a lot less helpful too, because yeah. you're not yeah. them, <laughs> you know, so you can't give them solid advice, but it's funny. I want to ask about the media because I, I just released maybe two episodes ago. I, I kind of talked about the media fails survivors because they do focus so heavily on reporting on, you know, you know, when you Google your name, you know, the, the headlines that pop up are how many times this happened or, you know, the, the depression, it, it goes deep into all of the nitty gritty details. You don't see a lot of the first results on Google saying, you know, uh, thriving, having those moments of pure joy that doesn't get reported on, you know, uh, there's, there's not those moments. I, I wanted to ask you, you talk a lot about forgiveness and that's a, that's a word when you say it to survivors with no context, uh, it's, it's a huge, huge anger trigger. Yeah. Huge um, trigger, yeah. What does forgiveness mean to you? Because 
even when I heard you say it the first time, I was curious to know what your perspective on it was. What What is forgiveness? When you say forgiveness, what does that mean to you? Forgiveness to me is I'm no longer attached to what happened to me. Hmm. Right. So for example, if somebody brings up the name Graham James, I don't, you know, get a shiver up my spine and I don't, you know, uh, um, yeah, I look at it as, um, well, it's, it, first of all, I forgave myself first and foremost, Hmm. right. Have I completely forgiven my abuser? Probably not. There are moments when, you know, but I'm no longer attached, like attached, you know, because that guy was like, that guy was one of my secure attachment figures that I have, yeah, right. you know, and, you know, 45 minutes of our relationship was fucking horrible and disgusting and awful and terrifying. But the rest of it, I actually needed that relationship in my life because I had nobody else. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, a lot of people, um, yeah, they're filled with anger. Right. And, uh, you know, anybody that watched me play hockey, you know, when I stepped on the ice, it was like pure anger and rage, you know, mm-hmm. but that's what made me a great hockey player. Cause I'm a small guy. Right. <sighs> you know? And so I needed to, uh, bring an intimidation to the, to the arena. And, uh, you know, I wanted my opponents to think I was crazy to think that I was, you know, this close to, you know, snapping or losing it or whatever. But, but, you know, I've had to work really, really hard on my anger because that was always my first reaction to everything was anger. Why? Cause it was protection. It kept yeah. everybody out here. Right? right. You know? And, uh, but yeah, forgiveness is, you know, it could, whatever it looks like to you. Right. Yeah. That's what it comes down to is, is, you know, uh, I, I don't want that person living rent-free in my head anymore, basically, is what it is, right? right? You know, and, uh, you know, I, I have this amazing life, right? I have an amazing life. Yeah. And and uh, despite what he did to me, mm-hmm. right? He's in jail. He has no life. I have an amazing life. Yeah. Right? So, you know that's part of the forgiveness too, is understanding that, you know, and I, you know, I look at my parents, what I went through with my parents, you know, early on in my life, I look at what happened with my abuser. And now I can honestly say, you know, those, those, those three people were actually gifts in my life because without those experiences, I'm not talking to Eric today. I'm not, I'm not on this podcast because I don't have anything to share. Yeah. Right. And, you know, um, and then if I look at it in a spiritual way, right, God gave me this adversity, right? And what that adversity did was it built resilience Hmm. in me. And now I know that I can get through absolutely anything in life, no matter what you throw at me, because I have resilience. Yeah. And the adversity created the resilience, right? And a lot, a lot of people, you know, look at what happened to them as, uh, as you know, a learning opportunity, right? 
you know, and God only gives us as much as he can handle. So obviously he, he knew that I could handle this and then he knew I could get through it. And then, you know, I would step into, you know, his purpose for me. And that was mm-hmm. to be a vehicle, right? Yeah. You know, and not a lot of people can think on that level when, you know, when you're in your trauma or you're trying to, um, you know, just live your life day to day, you know, it's, it's hard to come to those, those realizations, but yeah. people who are on true healing journeys eventually get to this place. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and what happens to you, there's purpose there. You may yeah. not see it, but, but at the end of the day, there's, there's, there's going to come something and, right. and it's a big, huge gift. Let me tell you, you know, yeah. like it's, it's as good as it gets. Right. Well, right. it's, it, it's hard to see it, you know, and, and it is, you know, the anger is valid, you know, and, and it's a valid response and the, the frustration is valid and the hurt and, and, yeah. you know, and yes, of course, what, what you're not saying, what you've, you've clarified so many times is, you know, it does affect you forever. There are elements that are always going to yeah. be with you. This Absolutely. should never have happened, but when something does happen, how do we respond to it? How do we come to a point of, you know, making it where it's not living rent-free in your head every day, every second. And that's, what's so powerful about your story is this, there's this level of acceptance that I don't hear often, you know, you, you hear it from people occasionally who've been through, you know, much less situations or things that are not very serious, but to hear someone share your story and then see that you are thriving, that you are in this, in this realm where you're, you're living a great life. You're going up on stage, you're, you're connecting with people. And now you're helping people who are in that stage of anger. You're helping people who are in that stage of just realizing what's happened. And I think that's really, really meaningful uh, and and really, really powerful. I had a guy I met with last night and he won't mind me telling the story, um, but he reached out to me because he was having a tough time. And so I said, yeah, let's meet. So I went and met him last night and, uh, you know, he's addicted to chaos and drama. He's not addicted to alcohol and drugs. It's part of the chaos and the drama. Right. Yeah. And people are addicted to anger. Yeah. You know? Uh, And so, you know, we, we put so much onus on the behavior, but there's a reason for the behavior, yeah. right? You know, and, and I picked on it, I picked up on it right away because I was addicted to chaos and drama, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's the only place I felt safe because as a kid, that's what I experienced was chaos and drama all the time at home, right? Yeah. And so it became part of, you know, part of me. And, you know, the times I got freaked out was when nothing was happening. You know, everything was good. You know, life is good. Yeah. Yeah. This is way too good. I don't deserve this. So I'm going to go fuck it all up. Yeah. I'm going to create, create chaos, create drama, right. All that stuff. Right. So it's, uh, you know, we, we, we get mixed messages. Yeah. Of, of what we're actually addic- addicted to, but I think we're addicted to more behavioral stuff than we're actually addicted to chemicals. Right. Yeah. That's, so. I, I want to kind of know now, because you've, you've talked so much, obviously hockey for a long time was your outlet, you know, yeah. um, 
addiction became an outlet. Um, there, there yep. was, you know, thing after thing where you were chasing that, that high for lack of a better word. And you no, know, you know what I was doing? I was trying to shut down my brain because hmm. my brain was always on loop. Yeah. I could never shut it down. Right. And that's mental illness. Hmm. Right. Is I can't shut my brain down. It's, it's, it's running my life. That's ultimately what mental illness is, is when I'm living in here, um, it's not a good place. Yeah. But when I get into this space, right, the heart space, that's where all the good stuff is. That's where compassion lives, empathy lives, forgiveness lives, you know, connection, you know, all of those things, you know, uh, are there. And so, you know, I'm a big proponent now of, you know, try to distract the brain, whichever way it is. Right. And, you know, for me now is I, I play golf every single day because it's a distraction. It's a healthy distraction. Uh, I'm outdoors. Uh, it's almost like meditation mm. for me. Right. So, and I do, I do lots of meditation, like lots and lots and lots of meditation because I, I need to get out of my head. Yeah. Right. Because if I'm in my head, I'm going to struggle, right? Yeah. I'm going to struggle with, with all these things. Right. And so, um, but helping people is probably the best thing you can do for yeah. mental illness or addiction or whatever it is, you know, helping people gets you out of your own head. And, uh, when you're helping somebody, by the time you're finished helping that person, you've forgotten about what you were actually bothered about in the first place. Right. Or what you said to them helped you more yeah, than it probably yeah. helped them. Yeah, for sure. I learn more from my clients than I do, you know, teaching them stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it's almost counterintuitive because you're spending a hundred plus days a year sharing your story on the road, on airplanes, going and flying and mm -hmm. talking about, you know, you're verbally sharing your story and, you know, you just talked about being on loop where it was internal. You're constantly telling yourself that story. How do you share that often retread essentially sharing the same story across platforms to large audiences on podcasts, all over the place without feeling like you are getting stuck back into it or, or getting in this place where you're spending too much time saturated in it. Right. Um, I, it's just been practice, right? Yeah. You know, practice makes perfect. You know, I, <laughs> I like to subscribe to the Malcolm Gladwell theory of 10,000 hours. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, basically he says, if we want to be the elite and of the elite and whatever field we choose, we got to put in 10,000 hours. Well, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've probably spent 10,000 hours, you know, doing this. And so uh, it's almost involuntary now. Like it's just, you know, it just happens. And like I said, I, I don't attach emotion to it. I try not to attach emotion to it. And, uh, when I do a good job of, of not attaching emotion, you know, I'm pretty healthy, but when I don't, then I struggle. Right. Yeah. So there's a, you know, there's a fine line or a tightrope you got to walk, uh, in this space as a, you know, as a healer or whatever you want to call it, advocate, whatever it is. And so, um, yeah. but, but ultimately the way out is through, and the way through is, you know, finding your tribe of people, 
right? That completely understand 100% exactly what you're going through. Because when those, when, when you're around those people, there's no judgment, there's no pointing fingers, there's only love, connection, spirituality, you name it, emotional um, connection, you know, physical connection, you know, those are, those are things that we need as human beings, right? We're wired for, for that. And a lot of sexual abuse survivors end up isolating themselves, right? Mm. And, you know, allowing their, you know, their head to, you know, rule their world when they should actually be in their heart, you know, because what I know is that my brain is lying to me 24 seven. But when I get into my heart, my heart never lies. So if I can spend as much time in my heart space as possible, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment. But first I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is factor factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week, and I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad. And it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 and use code preacherboys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code preacherboys50 at factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we wrap up, you mentioned spirituality so often in your talks, and I'm yeah. curious, what does spirituality look like for you? What is what does that mean to you when you say spirituality? Relationship. Hmm. That's what it's about, right? Connection. Yeah. Right. I need to be connected to people, but I also need to be connected to the universe too, right? So you know, there's that that piece too. There's there's a ritualistic part of it, and then there's the you know, the relationship part of it, but ultimately uh, the one relationship I neglected the most was the one I had with myself. 
right? I hated myself, didn't like myself, you know, couldn't look at myself in the mirror, you know, all those things. And, and once I started to, you know, look after myself, take care of myself, you know, and started to have a good relationship with myself, how do you think all my other relationships would be? They're, they're all the same. Right. But if I'm angry, resentful, all that stuff, that's, that's all my relationships are going to be. But if I'm okay, if I have peace, if I have joy, if I have happiness, if I have serenity, then I'm going to attract the same people. Mm. And that's what's happened. Right. Because we're, we're just balls of energy. That's what we are. And if we put negative energy out, we're going to get negative, negative energy in. But if we put positive energy out, guess what? We're going to get, we're going to get that back. right? Right. And thoughts, thoughts become things. When it comes to, um, you know, helping people who are in a place where, you know, there's, I heard someone say there's no abnormal response to an abnormal situation, you know? And so people get into these horrible places where they do feel like there's no way out. I I mean, you've described many times you felt like that. What do you wish in, in the, in the height of feeling depression and anxiety and just feeling like you're in the darkest of places what do you wish the people around you would have done or said to try to help you see, you know, what you see now to try to help you navigate out of those kind of choppy waters? Right. The sad reality is you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. Hmm. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I'm around people that, that don't want help. Right. Yeah. And so what I'd say to them is, I go, I realize you're not ready for help right now, but when you are, I just want you to know that I will be there for you when you're ready for the help. So it plants the seed in their head that they are truly, they're not alone, right? And they may not be ready. Like the most inquiries I get are from aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, moms, and dads, right? And when when you're dealing with an addict, you know what addicts are really good at and alcoholics are really good at? We're really good at collecting enablers. Okay. And the more enablers we have, the longer our behaviors will last. Right. So the people that are contacting me are the enablers because they've been trying to fix the addict and the alcoholic and they can't. Right. And they're at their wits end. Right. And when I tell them you need to remove yourself from the situation because not only is he sick but you're sick now yeah because if you weren't sick you wouldn't be contacting me Hmm. right so i say you need to go get your help and you need to you need to have healthy boundaries when it comes to that person right yeah and eventually the addict blows through all of his enablers and then he's left to his own defenses Hmm. and that's a scary place for the addict and the alcoholic, right? But nine times out of 10, it snaps them into reality, yeah. you know? And that's that sort of proverbial rock bottom, so to speak, where, you know, you, you're faced with the ultimate decision, which I was, right? Am I going to die or am I going to live, mm-hmm. right? Some people take their own lives. Some people drink and drug themselves to death. Mm-hmm. And that death is a slow painful, lonely, angry, resentful existence, right? 
But when the enablers get healthy and they set those healthy boundaries, they're actually helping the addict. They don't see it, but they're actually, that's exactly what they're doing is they're helping the addict because they're not enabling the behavior anymore. And they're not cleaning up all the messes all the time. Right. Which is exhausting. Yeah. Exhausting. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, because I've had lots of enablers in my life that, you know, left me because they couldn't, couldn't deal with me anymore. And I wasn't ready for help. Ultimately I wasn't ready for help. And as much as they wanted to help me, I just wasn't ready. Well, I I know we're here at the end of our time and I just want to say thank you so much for the incredible amount of work you've done, helping other people and sharing your story so openly. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, I mean, it's, it's something where uh, your advocacy and, and your platform is immense and, and the influence you've had is incredible. And and just listening in preparation for this interview, listening to so many interviews with you, uh, every single one's been incredibly encouraging to me. And I know it will be to my audience as well. So, so thank you for all your work in this area. Yeah, no problem. And you know, it's, it's just baby steps. That's yeah. all it is. It's not leaps and bounds. It's baby steps. It's finding people, you know, that you're comfortable with and, and so that you can share this stuff, right? Because, you know, trauma gets stored in the body and the longer you keep it bottled up, the longer you keep it inside of yourself, it's going to get you in different ways. Like you're going to get cancer. You're going to get, you know, kidney disease, liver disease, you know, you're going to have problems with, with your digestion, all that stuff. Like that's stress, right? And when you hold that in, inside, you know, it creates a, a, a storm, right? Yeah. And so using your voice is really, really important, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're actually, you know, physically and, and, and out loud saying what happened to you. And now you put it back out into the universe yeah. where, where it needs to be, right? right. Not yeah. here. Doesn't need to be inside you. Doesn't yeah. need to be inside so. me. It needs to be out there. And and the more people we have talking about this openly and in you know out of the shadows, right? Because where does this stuff lurk? Yeah. It lurks in the darkness, right? And when you shine a light on it, which is your voice, your voice is the light, right? Because if you keep it inside, you're keeping it in the darkness. When you use your voice, you're putting it back out into the light and you're shining a a light on it, right? Which allows other people to go, oh, that guy's using his voice. He's had the same experience as me. Wow. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I can do that. Ultimately, what, what can we do in this space? We can only help one person at a time. That's it. That's all we're capable of. Right. And every night before I go to bed, I pray for willingness. That's it. And every day when I wake up, guess what? I I pick up my phone in the morning and there's a message from somebody that needs help. And that's all I can do. Yeah, that's that's so valuable. And that's something that's, you know, it's hard to especially as platforms grow or as you talk to more people, it's hard to keep that in mind. But that's something 
really cool to think about it one person at a time, just stepping yeah. through it that way. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um yeah, because it gets overwhelming otherwise. <laughs> and I'm sure <laughs> and I'm sure you know, you know, getting messages yeah. and it's it's overwhelming. And and I feel the same way. Like I for me, a lot of my you know, the darkest moments over the past two years have been from the weight of other people's stories and not knowing how to process those. That's, that's, I haven't heard anybody say that. Um, but that's exactly how I feel. Like I, you know, and I took a major pause, you know, getting those messages. Yeah. It gets heavy. It gets yeah. heavy. Right. But yeah. you know, that's why we need to lean on our faith when it gets too heavy. Cause you can, you can give those stories to God and God can give them to somebody else. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to take it all on. Right. Right. You know, it, and ultimately, like I said, you know, and it was a very, it was one of my spiritual teachers and spiritual grandmothers who told me one person at a time. Mm. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm totally capable of doing that. So let's focus on that instead of the enormity how are we going to end this? How are we going to stop this? You know, then you get, you get in your head. Right. And then I can't help you because I'm, I'm in my head thinking about, you know, I'm not present. I'm not listening. I'm not focused. Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so you're allowed to give that stuff back to God, mm. right. You're allowed when your plate gets full, you're allowed to throw it back on his plate and just, mm. tell him, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I, you, you, you sent me all these people and you want me to help them while I'm overwhelmed. And, and ultimately I can only help one person at a time. So give me one person every day. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Not 300 or 10 <laughs> right. million people all at once. Yeah. Right. And then I get to go on these podcasts and, and talk about it. I know that one person who's going to listen to the podcast is going to, they're going to, ch- it's going to change their lives. Yeah. That's I'm not joking when I say that's one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard since starting the show. And, you know, I I've said one of the best pieces of advice I got was from a trauma therapist who said, you know, take time to take walks in between interviews. And that was a, that was a game changing piece of advice for me. And this, it's so funny because we talk about this in the business context, you know, another show that I work on. And we always say one is greater than zero. You know, if you have one subscriber on YouTube, You've yeah. got one more person than zero. You have a hundred percent more than that. And it, well, applying and then, it and into then, this and space then, is and then, huge. and then word of mouth marketing kicks in, which yeah. is the greatest kind of marketing you can have. Exactly. Right. You know, yeah. so that's you know. huge. Yeah. But um, yeah, in, in the, in the spirit of marketing, uh, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Cause I know there's going to be people that want to hear more from yeah, you, follow your absolutely. story. Uh, you definitely don't shy away from controversy. So uh, I think you're <laughs> definitely an exciting person to follow. Um, what's the, what's the best place for people to, uh, to connect with you? So my website is steelflurry.life and I'm on all social media platforms, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, at Theo Flurry 14. Awesome. So, cool. And, and I always say if you got nobody to talk to, send me a message and I guarantee you I will get back to you within the hour. 
Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your openness, like I said, and and being willing to have this conversation. And uh, really, for especially that last 10 minutes, just for me, is encouraging because um, I am doing something where it is easy to to get swarmed in how do we solve this big picture? And it's easy to get distracted from those, those one-to-one conversations. So thank you so much for that. Well, if we, if we create one advocate at a time, you know, that then it becomes 10, it becomes a hundred, becomes a thousand, hundred thousand, million, 10 million, right? We got to get the voice loud because without advocates, we're, we're fighting a down, uh, you know, a downhill battle right? The louder our voice gets, the more change will happen, right? And as an old guy who's been around for a long time, you know, I've learned to be patient that this isn't going to be solved overnight. We're trying to undo 10,000 years of trauma and it's not going to happen overnight, right? That's why I love the one person at a time mantra is because I want to create advocates, and the more advocates we create, the louder our voice gets. Yeah. And the louder our voice gets, then change happens, right? Can you imagine if, if you know, all the trauma survivors all over the world said we were going to vote on one thing in, in the election, and that was mm-hmm. to change how we deal with this? Mm-hmm. It would be a landslide, right? It would be, it would be yeah. a landslide, right? So, you know. Just something to throw out to the universe, right? Right, right. No, that's awesome. But um, yeah, no, thank you again yeah. for for doing this, and and uh, really does mean a lot. And I, I definitely hope anybody who's listening to this, be sure to grab a copy of Theo's book. Uh, connect with him on social media, and if you haven't, I mean, this podcast episode was awesome, but definitely go listen to. Uh, some of his talks, listen to some of the different podcast episodes that he's been on. There's, I've, I've listened to several and each one has been helpful in its own way. So um, definitely do that. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.